Good day, one and all. You are watching Frivolous Gravitas with myself, Christopher Driver, and my amiable and inimitable... Yeah, I always do this when I'm trying to introduce you. Inimitable co-host, Jordan Roy. To I'm step back from our recent episodes, <laughs> where we delved a bit into the seriousness of modern errors and conflicts with drugs, industrial politics, and the license agreements, etc., etc., uh, today we're going to dial down the angsty rhetoric just a bit and take a lighter look at the humor in misfortune. So today we cover why it's important to not take life too seriously. With that, I'll let Jordan take the lead and uh, we'll see where he has to take us. Yeah, so we're going to be looking at uh, humor from a very clinical and um, serious approach. Um, we're going to be defining humor and all of its forms. And then we will break down every form of humor and completely destroy any joy you may have in your life for the next <laughs> hour and a half. So what we're really going to be doing is making a case that um, you shouldn't take life seriously at all. Um, now, that's not to say that there aren't serious moments in life. Uh, I'd like to get into later um, the time and place, uh, which is my concept um, of, you know, when to be serious and when not to be. And you should be able to tell that um, through education, just your general upbringing, when to do something and when not to. And But the thing is that you don't need to leave, live a serious life. You don't need to be, you know, 100% stoic all the time. Even the stoics told jokes. Um, you are, you don't need to approach everything as a dire problem because life, it seems, doesn't actually work like that. You're going to get an aneurysm or an ulcer. But what it seems like to me is more, and I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days, is let me put my notes in a place I can actually read them, is that life is absolutely and utterly absurd. Um, kind of in the, uh, you know, in the Albert Camus sense, where you have this just absurd sense of the way the world works. But Unlike Camus, who is very, you know, life is absurd and it's mocking us. Yes, it is. But we can mock it right back. Um, and that's kind of where I'm coming from here is that life isn't just not serious. It's not meant to be taken um, seriously. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not, you know, I follow um, stoicism very closely, but I also follow the Epicure Epicureans, Epicureans very closely, but I also follow a lot of other stuff very closely when they're all contradictory because there's all there's truth in all of them. Now today's truth we're going to be looking at is that of the fact that life is something you can laugh at, yours, other people's, everything in existence reality, because it's almost designed like that. Now, um, up front, I've been reading a lot of Alan Watts lately. So, as much as you can read him, he did most of his stuff on a lot of his stuff on uh, on audio because he was like a broadcaster at Berkeley. So he's just like goes on, kind of like we are here podcasting, thinking about like what does it mean to be alive. I'm gonna play some music now. Um, so, um, he and it's said neat though because Alan Watts is um, yeah. Hit the way he pushes his his points of view are always in a jovial type sense because he understands that learning and education are best done through humor mm -hmm. as well. So I think we'll probably get into like the 
the effects of our lives and how Huber impacts the way not only we learn and grow as people, but also our affect on life. So how we um, how we change our environment and influence other people is also affected by our, our moods and right. dispositions, which we'll probably well, talk about, right? Yeah, because one of the things about us is that we do have a tendency to laugh at things and we don't really think about it. But in our society nowadays, and in a lot of societies over the course of human history, there's been this trend towards, um, you know, standard attention, left, right, left, right, pull the button, pull the levers, don't think about it, just do your job and stop talking while you're at work. No, like you should be paying attention to pulling the levers instead of, you know, talking with your friends while you're doing it, you know, productivity. And then, you know, uh, why, why have you memorized the table yet? or uh, why you memorize these facts you need this so you can go be serious in another position and then you know you become you you get into your field and then you go be serious there and then you get a promotion and you're serious making sure other people are serious and it's just it's it's a waste of everyone's time why are you doing the work in the first place like everybody's working for the weekend right well that's not a that's not a let's go play thing that's like we're working so we can live, not to survive. So you you have to incorporate that. You you have to realize that you are working and you're serious in moments because you want to have joy in other moments. But the thing is, is that <clears throat> if you get good at it, you can have joy in those moments of work as well. You're, there will be serious moments in your life, but you can bring joy into the other one when you realize that we're not built to be serious creatures, we're built to tell jokes and we're built to engage in humor. It's shows up in every religion, some more than others. Uh, and some have it, you know, uh, well, Watts gets into this a lot, but what happens and Watts describes that life is a very, musical thing. It's like a dance that we're going through from beginning to end. We're all living in this moment at, that we're living in right now. And w life isn't a um, series of rubber stamps. Um, he describes it as going, you know, you're, 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 you're going to a dance and you're not trying to end up on one point of the dance floor. The goal isn't to get to the other point of the dance floor. The goal is to dance and you'll just end up at that point at the end of the dance. You don't sing, as he says, the last note of a song. You sing the song. You're singing the song. And this is kind of, we've get into this before. I, I, we've call it the Zen. We call it the Tao. We call it the Logos. Uh, we call it depending on where you are. It's always there. This you need to swim with the current, but not just swim. You need to dance your way through because otherwise you're not going to enjoy your time in the river. Now, this isn't just about enjoying. This isn't just some Epicurean thing. This is living with regard to how we are intended to live. We're intended to enjoy our life, not by some, you know, uh, prime mover or anything. This is just kind of where we're built. We tell jokes. Animals other animals also tell, like, you know, enjoy humor. You see monkeys and, um, we, we, we've seen humor in dogs and dolphins and, uh, and all kinds of, like, we've seen horses. You see, you know, they see their, uh, their favorite, um, 
their favorite jockey or something and they run up to them and they get happy and animals laugh. It's this res- chemical response that we have. Now, and we all recognize it too. I think that's yeah. what's really neat. Like us as humans being a completely different species, we recognize play in dogs and a dog will look at us and know that we're ready to play mm-hmm. too. Like that to me is fascinating that a dog knows just by your your body language, even though you're a different species and you speak different languages, the dog knows mm-hmm. you want to play. Well, and that's like, the thing, the dog, <laughs> and this is kind of um, when you get into that um, Buddhist and Zen thing where they're, they're, they're not being dogs and cats and horses and dolphins by accident. Um, well, they are, sorry, they are doing it by accident. Whereas humans have this peculiar thing uh, where we can do things intentionally and we, we, we have, and the, the thing that we, this, um, sapience that we have is that we, um, can't, there's those two sides to humanity. We, we can try to do things and we can try, we can't, we can try to do things by accident and, spon- and spontaneous, but we, we can't because the moment you try and do something spontaneous, you're not doing it spontaneously. So these dogs and cats and horses and all these animals are just being what they are. They're dancing their life. They're going through it. And as humans, we can say, okay, I'm not going to dance today. I'm going to get work done, which is very responsible. It's good. Like that's a good thing to do, but it's not a good thing to do with your entire life because people will respect someone who can be, you know, um, you know, on a very practical level, you know, I, I'm going to work hard. And then later that night, the, you know, there's a, everyone goes to the bar or something and they see you can be a fish in water there just as well as you are in a mountain of paperwork. And then, you know, this is a versatile person. I can trust this person. He dances his life well. Now, when I bring this back to humor, you have not just dancing, but humor is not just a feeling um what we now um, let's see where how do i want to take this it's part of how we interact with ourselves but also interact with the world and so we're, we're going through this 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 life and the life in itself like i said is inherently absurd we, 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 we were born this amalgam of molecules. If you want to get into why it's absurd, this would be, uh, good. But, uh, and then, you know, we feel all this pain for stupid reasons and, you know, we age and we crack and we crank and everything is an ironic mess. Uh, as to just the basic existence of what we are. Uh, and then we build these, you know, ramshackle structures around us that, you know, help, but in the fact that they're helping, they still kind of, you know, it's like, oh, look, I built, you know, um, I built a chair to help me. Oh no, now I've got, you know, my, my legs are, aren't as effective as they were before. And now I have a leg problem or, uh, look, we built a, everything comes with a, you know, sadistic backslap on us. And that's, 
Especially it's if it's the leg that's caught or the chair that's causing your leg problem. Yeah, it's the same. Usually that's the issue. Yeah. We'll, we'll build a chair to fix our sore legs from standing and then the, the, the chair will cause us unable yeah. to stand or like, without pain. Oh, we, kind of thing. Like, like that I don't, type we, of we, we invent shoes so we don't have to live like hobbits. And then all of a sudden we have trench foot and like, and, and like, um, you know, fungal Fun infections. On, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Ah, so we're better off, but like, and, and this is, it's not, it's, it's like life is a tragedy, you know, that's kind of like, I don't know, um, go watch Jordan E. Peterson or something. He'll tell you how to deal with that. But what, that's not really what I'm interested in is the tragedy in itself is hilarious in every sense of the way. And this is exemplified by the fact that you see, um, soldiers, paramedics, firemen, um, anyone, you know, nurses, doctors, uh, go read Samuel Shem's house of God. You'll this, you'll see exactly what I mean. Um, paramedics, especially. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah. And it's like, there's this, and right now you see that there's attempts by the military and the police forces and the paramedics to stop them being like this, but we need them to have that, you know, mocking disdain for the tragedy that there is unfolding in front of them, like daily that we're forcing them through. And now we want them to be like perfect gentlemen and gentlewomen while they're, you know, trying to cinch our artery. No. And it's, it's like, like a psychological coping mechanism, right. right? For them to function at their job effectively, they need to be functioning psychologically and enduring trauma after trauma day after day as a form of occupation is a really bad way of going about preventing trauma in people you know <laughs> like if cops weren't able to laugh or joke about the situations that are serious that they find themselves in how could they possibly deal with repeatedly exposing themselves to those situations like i i don't think a human being could do it unless they were psychopathic in which case they'd be terrible policemen to begin with right and like you this yeah that's exactly right like you can't have a psychopathic because like someone who's just approaches you know you go into battle it's like we need to take that fort all right i'll do it it's like oh geez um okay uh yikes go to Kevin, that came out of a dark place <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like you want me to take that hill it's like you know you you see like there's that one scene in game of thrones where it's just like uh, it's an impenetrable fortress and that one guy's just like, give me 10 men and I'll impregnate that bitch. <laughs> it's like you have, this is that type of humor because you're facing this tragic situation, which is absolutely absurd. You know, you are being put into a situation that house in the, in the, in the, in the slum is on fire. You know, the one that, you know, three firemen have been shot trying to get to. Yeah. That one go put the fire out there. And you're just like, Oh boy, here I go again. And the jokes start because that's how you deal with it. Now, this is a good approach to life. It lets off steam. It's crass. It's, it's insulting. It's not politically correct, but none of those things matter anyways. What matters is how do you get from one point to another? How are you going to do the dance? Now, sometimes the dance is a dance. Sometimes you're at the bar with your friends. Sometimes you're on the dance floor. Sometimes you are manning machine gun. How are you dancing? Are you dancing with, oh, everything's terrible? Or are you dancing, are you trying to make the best of it? And 
when we hamstring ourselves by taking everything too seriously <clears throat> and saying everything is grave, the only thing that matters is my future and my retirement and this and that. No, 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 no. That does matter to some extent, but what matters really is where you're living. And the only place you're living is in the moment you're living right now. And this is kind of a very Epicurean perspective, but really the past has already happened. There's nothing you can do about that. The future, well, yes, you do have to be responsible in order for, you know, a better future for yourself. But you're not going to be very useful in that future if you don't deal with the tragedy that's happening now. And it's not just the tragedy, it's even if good things are happen, happening, good and bad, you have to be able to laugh at what's happening because it's absurd because you, life is absurd. But in addition to that, you are absurd. You're this absurd amalgam of contradictions. I told you, uh, like I, I read both, you know, the Stoics and Lucretius, and then I find meaning in both. I, I, I read, you know, I follow science and then I read the Bible. And then, you know, I find like, I'm not a Christian, but I've read, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas three times. Why? <laughs> because I'm absurd. Everything about my existence is absurd and that's worth laughing at. Now, this is kind of where I want to bring Alan Watts into this and the, cause he notes the element of honesty in this. There, he says, okay, we all have to be honest, right? And you can try and be honest. And he says, kind of like, you can be good at this. And then eventually you say, uh, enough of that. That's stupid. Honesty is, it's a great thing and you need to be honest with yourself, but really honesty is a, it's only one tool and you need to disregard it because we have to realize that we're all deceiving each other. And that's not a bad thing because, and he uses the, the, um, the, the, the metaphor of the flower, you know, the flower is attracting the bee. And he says, look how pretty I am. Look how much nectar I've got. Come and get me. Come and bring my pollen to another flower, please. It's deceiving. That's, but what happens is, um, the deception is the seriousness. I am this serious creature, leader of men, or I'm an actor on the stage. But the thing is, is that these people are people. You see them on the stage. You see your politician up front and they, they have this big facade. And that is dishonest. They're telling you one thing and they see that the honesty is of no use to them. So they become the persona of the politician, of the actor, of the actress, of uh, the waiter, the waitress, your waiter and waitresses are lying to you. They are not happy or happy to see you. <laughs> talk to them. That's a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. Talk to them as people and they will talk to you as people and you will have a better time and they will have a better day. Don't there is nothing funnier, by the way, than watching a guy hit on a waitress who's totally leading him on just for the tip. Yeah. Like the absurdity of that communication alone, like everything he says is pointless. All the body language is pointless. All of the laughter is fake. Like the whole thing is just funny to watch yeah. because it's, it's, it's absurd. And like you said, one thing you can do is you can, one thing I do is I, uh, I'll, I like doing is if you've ever been out to dinner, lunch with me, you probably notice this is a waitress will come up and I'll say something completely, um, apropos of nothing, or I'll make fun of their question or I'll, uh, what do you want? What do you want to eat food? 
oh, Jesus Christ, I've got a joker here. And I'll be like, then I'll show that I'm, you know, the twinkle in my eye or something as um, one would say that I'm not being deprecating. I'm showing you that this isn't a like, yes, you're serving me, but I'm going to go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a serious asshole on you. I'm. You're not going, the warden that's like commanding her. Yeah. In slavery and telling her or him. Whatever, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, what I'm expecting do. you to give as good as, as like, or more than I'm giving because I am not taking you know, I'm, I'm taking them seriously as a person, but I'm not taking the situation itself seriously because they're bringing me food and I need someone to bring me my food. I don't know the line, chef. But you're like deformalizing it so she doesn't have to or he doesn't have to, you know, go to work and just be strict and yeah, focused and, and whatever. You can BS a bit and it's just looser. It's easier. It makes right. And this happier. is why with restaurants, I can't stand like a lot of them. And the best one I had was one that just let me do you know, just let me do my thing and I'll make you money. And they gave me a script and say, here, be this or Starbucks saying, be genuine according to the script. It's like, so you want me to take this? So this is like, no, no, your dance is not allowed. You have to use our dance and it's dishonest, but it's not just dishonest. It's, um, it's maliciously dishonest. You're, you're, you're denying the other person's dance. And so you want this corporate dance, which is, you know, it's instead of a, um, you know, going with the flow, doing what the music is telling you to do, you have to enforce, you know, you have to just go through the motions in a serious manner, smiling like this. Look, I don't mean to smile, but I can do it. I, and it's, 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 it's tragic. And then what happens when you see someone going through those motions, like we just did, we laugh at them because it's just like, hi, welcome to Starbucks. I'm so glad to see you. It's like, gee, did you see that guy? What a brainwashed idiot. Yeah, and then genuine looks so genuinely disingenuous. Right. So everyone else. <laughs> That's funny. Everyone outside <laughs> is laughing at them. Like, does the Walmart greeter actually want to be there? No, which is why it's funny. <laughs> and they're, they're smiling, but there's no soul there. So it's just, it's inherently funny. And this is where we come to the absurdity again because um watts really put it in a way that i really liked you have essentially two types of humor and we're going to make a definition now no because he, he identified two you have malicious humor people laugh at other people and we can get into this but essentially that is coming from a place of insecurity or a place of you know you want you don't like such and such politicians so every joke will just be a jab at them and it's just like okay cool but those are cheap and they get old real fast it's like oh look it's like uh you know just like the block quebecois ha 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 it's like geez i was but it's borderline sadistic when it gets malicious right. like that, that right? you'll... Like, it's only funny because you enjoy the harm of right. someone else like it's not inherently or it comes from a wish that that like that that person would be uh or that group or that this or that would be um uh, you know, you'd rather them off dead. And that's like, you can laugh at that, but like, it's not a pleasant laughter. You're, you're coming from a place of hatred for others, which means you probably have hatred for yourself and are not enjoying your own dance or you're not, you can't figure out how to dance properly. Now he identifies another one where we're laughing at ourselves. And this is a more honest laughter because he sees because there's a deception inherent to all existence, 
um, <clears throat> which is inherent not as a bad thing. You know, it's how can you trust someone? You remember the cynic episode where we're looking like I'm looking for an honest man. Well, no, dishonesty is a valuable part of who we are as people. Like, you know, are you going to tell your wife that she looks fat in that? No, just tell her you love her and move on. Like <laughs> wisdom is funny <laughs> and it's funny. <laughs> it's like, am I fat in this? And you're just like, what love a situation. What a situation she has put me in. This is ridiculous. I love it. Uh, but if you are not in love, if you're not doing the dance, you're just gonna be like, oh, that bitch. <laughs> but that's the thing is that you have this juxtaposition between the internal and the external, which makes it hilarious. He's kind of laid out. And this, you know, you have this, the reality of what you know you are versus the boulot, the, um, the show of what you are. Um, kind of referencing Orwell here. Um, you know, when you go into a restaurant, there's the front of the store, the boulot, the show, the song and dance, the here's the food, isn't it great? And then you have the reality of it, the kitchen where it's just like toast is on the floor. It's like, put it on the plate then. <laughs> yeah. The inspector's coming. We have to do an extra cleaning this week just to, to dishonestly. Yeah. Why, why are all these rum bottles full of apple juice? Uh, <laughs> these are things that I've actually seen in kitchens. And, um, you know, it's like, don't come to, you see, and it's the difference, the reality and the external. Um, the reality is, is that every single restaurant, no matter what, has mice, period. You, it's not something you can help. Uh, <laughs> it's just if they're in, the the show area then it becomes a problem uh and if they get too much that's why like you have you know poolins on um on you know speed dial with a lot of restaurants even if yeah, they're like clean if if your business is to provide and, and produce food for people chances are you're gonna have a garbage bin that has waste food in it so there's no way of escaping mites and mice and other rodents or insects or anything like that from congregating around the area right They'll invariably try and find a place to find more food, so they will get in the kitchen. So, but what, what's funny to me is like it's the Shakespearean tragedy of it. it it's yeah. how much effort and emphasis we put into preventing something, and then having it fall apart just by accident because the universe or would prefer to be chaotic than the not. more <laughs> the more um, effort you put into stopping it, the more it becomes a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that to me is what's hilarious. It's not the fact that people have mice and, you know, rodent turds in their food and stuff. Like, that's not funny. But what is funny is how hard we try to prevent it and how much we show how clean mm -hmm. it is when it's really not. So, one of this shows up in now when you're making fun of yourself, this comes from a position of, you know, self honesty and confidence so you you can make oh man i fell down and i my face went in right into the snow and now my face is all cut up and freezing <laughs> you're, you 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 aren't worried about how you're seeing you're more like look at what happened isn't that crazy and you, you, you this is an inherent position of comfort with oneself and this is healthy you 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 make uh you realize the um inherent uh ridiculousness of your situation and you laugh at it you laugh at what's happening to you because it's um 
How was that? You just used an example, and I and I, it, I'm completely blanking on it. you. Just the one you just used. What of the garbage bin and the yeah. Oh, in the restaurant? Yeah, sorry, my brain just did that thing where it blanks. So no, it's all right. I got, it's an it's, ADD thing. Um, so yeah, okay, sorry, I remember. So and you said this well. The more you the more you push against it, the more it becomes even more ridiculous and tragic. And when you do that, <clears throat> so this is kind of like that idea of you know Zen Tao, you know the flow, um, which is a really good way of putting it. And um, if you even want to go. Like it shows up, it does show up in the West. Um, yeah, in physics, it's a second law of ther- thermodynamics, essentially. Yeah. It's just entropy. <laughs> and what happens is if you can't handle that, people won't, you know, people gravitate towards people that can, ha- that can take it, that can take a hit well and laugh at it. And laughing is kind of that coping mechanism, but it's not, I make it sound like, oh, you're just coping with the tragedy of life. Why can't you just be happy? It's like, no, no, no. Life is the coping. There is no baseline of happiness. I'm sorry. There isn't one. That moment that you're happy isn't going to be the norm in your life. The contentment should be the goal. But within that contentment, you're going to, you're going to lose that contentment. And you have to laugh at when things head south. Because if you don't, that hell will eat you alive and you can see it people that resort to and try to laugh at it and then they they get defensive or they become malicious and they lash out these are people that are not handling that life where they're not dancing very well so um what we can do with this well i i think i actually want to keep going on this for a second i know i'm laboring it a bit but it's it's important because um you need because, and this is why I'm saying you need to laugh about things because well, Alan Watts would say something like, um, God is making fun of us. Now, whatever conception you have about God, you know, Buddha, whatever, some divine being, something that is more than us or a creator, whatever it is, the way it seems to us, the way we've been created and the way the universe has been set up, uh, either naturally or not, doesn't matter. Whoever did it, is telling a joke. The universe itself is a joke. And if it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> um, well, think of like the gruesomeness of death, like how horrible and terrible it is for, for any animal or plant to be killed. Mm-hmm. And like for that to be a necessary component of not only evolution, but like a daily practice for animals to consume other living things. Right. That's kind of hilarious in an ironic sense. Well, and take um, something like uh, racism, for example. And this is kind of something, you know, you have racist jokes and um, you have baby jokes and stuff like that. Now, racism itself is inherently ridiculous, which is what makes um, racial jokes this kind of... um, guilty pleasure of most of humanity because they're just like, well, what did this type of person say to that type of person? They're like, (laughs) stereotypes. And, but 
there's enough truth in them because, you know, Italian people do do this. <laughs> I thought it was a stereotype until I went to Italy and we turned on the news and this woman's just like, and she's rolling it off her hand. I'm just like, oh, okay, that's real. This is funny. So the stereotype isn't just a stereotype. And, but when the stereo, the more ridiculous stereotype is said in seriousness, like some think the Ku Klux Klan, something like that, the way they talk about um, black people. It's so ridiculous. And the fact that they're honest about it makes it hilarious. You can laugh at those people because they're like, because it's stupid. <laughs> and that's an instance where malicious laughter might be appropriate because you know they're doing it with the intent to harm other people. So there's really no, no offense to take if you start maliciously laughing at the KKK for their silly little right. hats and their, their burning of crosses and their little gatherings and their little Because you're like, oh, you're serious. <laughs> like, you know, that meme, like, yeah. you're serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're basically yeah, a meme Yeah, it's at the this same point. thing with like the flat earthers who I don't even want to talk about because I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just bored with them. Oh, there's so many, like, oh, what's his name? Um, Alex yes. Jones. Anything that guy says from like nutrition to God, I to will tune politics. into Alex Jones just to watch the train wreck. Like it's so absurd. Everything that comes Joe out Rogan's of that talking to Tom, Alex Jones, heck sign me up. But, but like, that's the thing because we know that that person is going to do something absurd. And so we watch it and he's living his life and there's honesty with regard to it because there's that honesty and we can see the juxtaposition between, you know, the inside and the outside and he's letting himself be out there. We have this comedy gold sitting there and we see in Alex Jones, God making fun of us. Oh, you're trying to live a perfectly rational and reasonable life of, you know, uh, you know, avoiding lizard people. <laughs> it's like, Here's a guy that believes in lizard people. You have to live yeah. with that man. In fact, he is representative of a larger group, one of whom lives next door. Another one of whom is your landlord. Have fun. Another is your yes. uncle. <laughs> uh, my my, my ex-landlord literally was like accidentally texting us being like, you know, the new world order is coming. Blah, blah, blah. COVID is, uh, COVID is uh, God's punishment for, you know, Pornhub or something. <laughs> yeah, my, my uncle's exactly the same way, like running off to the woods and I'm going to save everybody by being in the boonies. And yeah. Like my gold bars are going to be worth something when the, when the economy explodes well, will, and nobody has any like, cash. How, well, who's going to be able to buy your gold right, bars? And also like, <laughs> if there's no cash, then there's no cash. Um, like it's Yeah. Just so we have this, so life and i know i know i know i can hear everyone talking but life is what about the children why don't someone please think it's children children are ridiculous you're taking them too seriously yes there you do have to be responsible yeah obviously but within that responsibility you can laugh at things and this is laughing at yourself and if you take yourself too seriously you will lead a life of no joy you, all you moon-faced assassins of joy out there, you know, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and be okay with it, you know. I think that's what's really crucial, too, about, like, our own laughing at ourselves. Like, the reason why Alex Jones is so funny is because we see our own propensities yes. in, 
Like we, we don't necessarily believe in the same things as ridiculously, but we know that inherently in us is the potential to be like him. Well, and I think that's why it's kind of like laughing at ourselves when we see these ridiculous. And that's why absurdities. we like stand up comedians. Cause it's this person that goes up there and they tell you a story or a bunch of stories and they, they weave them together and they play with the absurdity. They play with the reality. They play with honesty. They play with all these things. But the inherent thing is of it is that we can, um, empathize very strongly with everything they're saying. Oh, there's a, you know, middle-aged white guy up there. And then, you know, you look in the audience and they'll show like, you know, black women and, you know, an Asian guy and all these other groups and they're laughing their butts off. Why? Because racism, because these, these experiences cross racial boundaries. We can all experience these things because, you know, being human is in itself part of, uh, you know, we're all universally human together. And I know that's a you know, weird concept nowadays. I'm just, we live in clown world, but, um, the, the, um, the fact that we can empathize, you know, you see someone, uh, a rich black guy walk up onto the stage and you're just like, I don't have any identif- identity in similarity with this guy. Then he starts talking. You're just like, I get it. And, you know, I'm a lower middle class white guy and I can laugh very, very hard at, you know, woman that goes up there, man, all these different types of people from different backgrounds, because there's an element of me in each one of them, like you said. And because of that, we share in this world in the same way that, you know, we're all trying to do the same dance and we're all stumbling the entire time in different ways. And sometimes, well, here's how I stumbled. And then we're like, oh boy. And then we want to tell our story. And that's... And when we tell our story though, we're sharing in our own misfortune. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody get hit in the balls it's not that we enjoy getting hit in the balls it's that it's so painful that it's hilarious to see and it's almost comforting to know that someone gets it and someone's like oh man that guy kicked me in the balls and it's like oh here's a video with someone getting kicked in the balls and you're like i'm not alone yeah the commiserating factor is almost like a social connection between us and whoever gets hurt (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so you you can laugh at it then you, you see, it's just like, Oh, it, it doesn't become the pain. It stops being the pain that you're feeling from the foot hitting, you know, your, your, your skin there or your organs. It's, it, it goes from being the pain itself to the abstract notion of getting kicked in the balls. And that, makes it funny. You can, you know, you're divesting yourself from it. You can remember the pain, kind of, that's kind of a weird thing humans do. Um, and you can stop taking it seriously and you don't internalize it. Like a lot of kids nowadays are being told something bad happens to you, internalize it. Your parents get a divorce, internalize it. You bottle that up and they're saying, well, you have to let it out and cry. It's like, because, you know, you have to, you know, you have to munchows and all your, you know, um, all your, your pain and trauma, you know, people are now getting, because we're not laughing at it, you start getting, you know, more trauma, you start getting more PTSD because people aren't, they're just internalizing every stub toe and every time, every imagined slight, you know, the waitress comes up, what do you want? She's having a bad day. And all of a sudden she, you think that she's 
uh, making some comment about you and you internalize that, oh, people and you start getting paranoid because you can't just laugh at the fact that you got offended by a waitress having a bad day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. She's, she knows about my podcast and doesn't like it. Oh, what a like no it's really worth <laughs> highlighting too because like the if if you just constantly repress things and the only outlet you have is to cry and you can only cry in certain situations and when things are really intense enough to cry about them right you're creating pent-up traumas by not being able to have a sense of humor mm-hmm. like instead of waiting until it gets to the point where you burst and your eyes start flooding all over you and you're sniveling everywhere like having a regular set of of uh humor approaches towards all of these uh negative aspects to to your life and and interactions and stuff like that like to me it's preventative maintenance basically for your psychology for your psyche to be able to laugh at yourself when you're encountering these situations where you feel offended by somebody's passive aggressiveness or some completely irrelevant or inconsequential detail like the, like you were saying, the server's not smiling or, or whatever. And then transposing that into all these like catastrophized, inflamed instances of people hating you and the world being mm-hmm. against you and like self-loathing, like that all stems from repression. I think when, yeah. when you try and swallow all these hardships and don't become, uh, just loose to them. Well, it's the sto- that's word. the problem with the stoic individual. Um, the stoic individual will you know, age three times faster than the rest of us. Like, and you can't, you can't do it. Um, now as a weird aside, and, um, my brother-in-law will recognize this, uh, pretty clearly. Um, for example, I guess would be a, um, really good, uh, a really good example that I remember would be, um, Soviet humor. Now you imagine the Soviet union and how bitter and miserable it was, and, but one of the best things to, one of the only things to come out of the Soviet Union was some of these jokes. Cause what happened was Soviet Union humor is actually brilliant. So for example, how do you deal with mice in the Kremlin? Put a sign saying collective farm, half the mice will starve and the rest will run away. So, <laughs> um, uh, it would be really funny if you had two comedians, one from Germany and one from Russia. Yeah. Well, here, <laughs> the Soviet. here's one, uh, Comrade Brezhnev. Is it true that you collect political jokes? And he says, yes. And how many have you collected so far? Three and a half labor camps. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, is it hard to be in the gulag? Only for the first 10 years. <laughs> like, it's 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 it this is one of the hardest place like humanity created for itself this hell on earth in um east germany and uh the soviet union and um even in that in the place where you know your children hear you mumble something they think you said they 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 you know they don't like something that you did to them you know you gave them a spanking or something and then all of a sudden you're in siberia because you know you yawned weird and your son said you said something about stalin okay so that's that's pretty messed up but like even within all this stuff and if you read some stuff like the gulag archipelago um you will see the depravity of it but even within all of this there's humor 
uh, coming through. It's dark. It's horrible. But these, uh, these jokes that you can find, uh, there's an entire list of them on Wikipedia. Um, I really think that's what made Dostoevsky so brilliant is like when you listen to his dialogue yes. in, in books like The Idiot is phenomenally yeah. funny. Just the way that the people are behaving as if they're well, not this ridiculous. guy. He's literally Jesus. Well, he's not literally Jesus. He's pretty much just Jesus. And he goes into Russia during the czarist period. And he's like, goes around telling people wisdom. And everyone's like, nah, you're an idiot. It's like this. And they, you know, get these like, you know, sophists telling everyone what, what, uh, they telling this guy who's literally the best guy in all of Russia, uh, how things are and, you know, what it is to be a good man. It's just, and he's just sitting there and politely being like, Hmm, I see your point because he's just the best guy ever. And, but even in pride and prejudice, like all of it's, or no, not that one. Um, what was the one where, uh, the guy is marrying the girl, but she's into somebody else. Oh, um, Jesus. Uh, that's like oh, half of on, Victorian literature, though, too. <laughs> uh, I did just read Pride and Prejudice. That one especially. The dialogue is so funny <sighs> because, like, the girl doesn't even like him, but he wants to marry her, and she keeps cheating on him. And and she's like, oh, but I'll never do it again, but I love him so much. And she's telling her husband how much she loves this other person. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, and there's... Uh, you're sitting there and you're laughing. And one of the things I find really interesting is that when it comes to literature and you read stuff like um, um, Shakespeare or the Three Musketeers or something like Alexander Dumas, where people will approach it, you know, they'll approach Shakespeare like, mm, Shakespeare is this wonderfully, you know, intellectual pursuit. It's like, well, yeah, but like, scene two act one is just a guy telling knock knock jokes at the gates of hell like that's literally it and like the three musketeers is like if you read it seriously it's going to be a bad book you're going to have a bad time you have to read it as if it's pretty much like a modern day comedy movie it's just one absurd thing after another there's sword fights in the streets there's like Oh, I bet you I can't take that hill and stay out and hold it for a, uh, an entire day. And then they go, they walk up there, pretend that they're fighting and then just have a picnic in this fortress that no one's attacking and come down the next day being like, Oh man, what a battle. <laughs> like, and then the Cardinal Richelieu is down at the bottom being like, Oh, musketeers. Like it's, 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 it's a comedy. You're allowed Damn to you. read these things as comedy. People had sense of humors before. And if you're just going to take them seriously, like, and this is the conceit of the intellectual where it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fluffy intellectual and everyone needs to think I'm smart. I need to take everything and de deconstruct everything and have an answer for everything. It's just like, oh, I'm kind of guilty of that, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, well, we, that's why it's funny because we all recognize mm -hmm. this in ourselves. The book I was thinking of, I found, is uh, Humiliated oh, and Insulted. It, it's one of my favorites from Dostoevsky. That's one of the ones I haven't read. I also haven't read Brothers Karamazov. I'm sorry. I think that's, no, that's probably too next. No, it's But <laughs> he does another Jesus thing in that one, too, because one, one of the guys is in jail, and he starts telling a story about what if Jesus were in jail or something like that. It was really confusing. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, well, for me, because I don't read. But. They're good on audio book. <laughs> uh, but um, the... Um, but I think it's crucial that you pointed that out though. The, um, the relationship between ourselves, the empathic connection between like our responsiveness towards offensive humor that comedians might make, like 
sexist and mm. racist jokes, but within a setting where you know it's supposed to be funny and not offensive, so it's okay. But if you just walk out on the street and start telling, you know, a white cop that he's a hunky pig, like you're going to get a different response from the person because right. it's the intent is there to do harm right. with if the you, joke. Whereas, yeah, no, go on. Oh, sorry. I was just getting into the time. And oh, place. yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah, because that does come into time and place. Because like, um, cop pulls you over, and he opens up, uh, you know, knocks on your window or something. And you go, "Who's there?" Ha, 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 and then he shoots you because <laughs> you're an asshole. Um, but the um, as we laugh, <laughs> yeah, as we laugh. But um, the, the this is something that. Um, a lot of these professions also do very well. These um, professions that deal with mortality quite a lot. They tell jokes, but there's also time and place. You think of a soldier and they, they're standing at, on parade. If you go, go to, if you're in Winnipeg, go to like a cenotaph on Remembrance Day and you'll see this. You'll see this very clearly. Uh, you go to like um, the armories um, and then uh, one thing I noticed, you go to the, you go to the ceremony, they're all standing at attention. They're all in their, you know, finest DEUs, which is our like, um, like their dress uniform. They're standing at attention, very serious, very like yelling. Everything's, everything is in its order. Everyone's paying respect. Everyone's being solemn because that's important. Remembrance Day is probably one of the most important holidays we have right now. Um, I should do a, we should do a thing on that. But <laughs> yeah, we absolutely um, should actually. Um, but one of the things that happens if you watch them, they'll the 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 CEO will um, yell out his command, uh, dismissed. You know, they'll all turn to the right uh, or left. I can't remember. It's been a while, and they they march off, and then you see them just their shoulders just kind of go down a bit and they just kind of stretch some of them and they start telling jokes instantly. Oh man, do you see the blah, blah, blah? And then follow, what you can do is you follow them to the mess. The mess is where they drink and watch what they do. And they will instantly start singing songs and not the type of songs that you want your children to hear. They'll start telling, you know, stories about, you know, stuff in the field. They'll, they'll start doing and being people and they'll make fun of what's going on because they are engaging in what we've been talking about here. And you can see this in any, uh, you know, a paramedic. It's like we, you know, they use all those, you know, filthy acronyms that they got caught doing. But then, you know, when the, when it becomes time to do the work, they do it. So the, the, the thing of it is, is that you should be able to switch this on a dime. Well, today is a serious day. No, no, not all day. Like you should be able to be like, okay, like even right now, I'm trying to explain what I'm trying to, so I'm serious. But then in 10 seconds or in like half a word, I could turn it around and tell a joke. That's kind of what I mean by time and place. Not like this situation, this entire situation is serious. No, no, no. It changes. You, you, you turn around to one person. You're like, Hey, um, I need those, uh, uh, cover letters for those TPS reports. And you turn around to the next guy and be like, can you believe we have to put cover letters on our TPS reports? And then the <laughs> and, other guy says, like, I, I got to take the printer for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And you, it's, it's situational, but the, and we don't, and we kind of aren't socializing our 
well, if, if your if your kids are on Zoom school, they're not being socialized at all, in which socialized means like learning how to deal with people. And part of this is learning how, you know, reading social cues. How much humor do I put in this? How much do I have to, you know, pay attention? You know, this is serious, pay attention. You shouldn't, after a while when you're a kid, you just know this is serious, pay attention. And I think they overdo it as kids though. Like they want you to sit still all day at school and then sit still all day at uh, at church on Sundays and then you have like organized sport where you have to focus and, and be like in training very and then it's game time and you got to be very focused and serious when you're playing like childhood now is very different from childhood when we were kids where they just opened the door let you out on the street and said don't get hit by a yeah car. like one one of the parents out of the 12 on the street would be looking well and I only got hit by a car <laughs> once um, but um, <laughs> I'm not kidding but this structure is dissolving our ability to be fluidly humorous, I think. Right. And it's like, you have to have nuance. Like, you know, someone comes into your, your office and they say, Hey, I, I, you got to see what's, you know, this and that's happening. And they want to tell jokes and you kind of give them that look like, uh, you know what? I, I'm going to delay my gratification. Give me five minutes and I'll come out and be an idiot with you. Um, that kind of thing that, and then they'll, if they're, if they're emotionally mature, they'll read that and be like, Oh, okay, I get it. I'll, and they'll maybe try again later and they'll, you know, poke and prod, see like, can we, can we, can we have fun now? And like, you'll have There's fun. There's always and that the, asshole that just sits there and pokes. Right. That's the emotionally mature the guy. But someone will be like, you know, someone, Hey, I want to tell you the joke. I want to tell you the thing. But then someone, and then the jovial, you know, the, the, the fun will last maybe 10, 13 seconds. And that's all he wanted. And then he'll walk off because, you know, it's like, I got to make fun of this thing right now. And then, no, I'm working. Well, it'll take a second. And then that's the thing. That's kind of what I mean by time and place. It's you have to go with that flow. You have to um, learn the dance. And the dance is, I'm serious right now. I'm very serious right now. I am focusing all my attention on this thing. Oh, look at that. All right, back to work. Um, and then, you know, you turn around to one person. They want to tell you about this, uh, the tragedy that's happening in their life. They're not in a mood to joke. That's okay. You turn around to another guy and you're like, you know, you can switch gears. And like, if you're in a bad mood, you are in a bad mood. You are going to be the one that people are going to be serious around. That's okay. But you have to also be okay with people laughing at you behind your back, which isn't a vice unless they're doing it out of malice because they're not. If they're only laughing at you, malice, if they're laughing at you and themselves, you know, because it's like, oh man, yeah. look at me. I'm a sour, I'm a sour little puppy because, you know, I didn't get the promotion. It's like, but it's because they understand what it's like to be in a bad mood. Having right. been in a bad mood before, they can laugh at your bad mood saying, oh, I remember yesterday when I was in a bad mood and I was, you know what I mean? Right. Like that type of humor needs to not be misinterpreted and exacerbated and like blown up into this big social issue of like harassment. And you yeah. know, there's legitimate harassment out there. Oh yeah. Like there are so many tort claims right now in, in courts and human rights tribunals that are completely uh, just dumb in my opinion. Like oh, they they're are. a waste of resources or they're, they're extremely taxing on people's emotional states and like, it well, sucks the joy out of life when you're mediating between people just because somebody wanted to chuckle because you were in a bad mood. Well, and that kind of like you have something like Bill C-16, um, which legalizes anti-hate speech. <clears throat> so what happens is it makes 
saying something illegal. And this is what was happening in East Germany and the Soviet Union and right now in China. Um, yeah. Deal with it, China. You're not allowed to argue against me. I don't think they even got YouTube in China. Google was banned. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, no, we want them to have. If you're in China and you're reading this, congrats on being brave enough to have a VPN. You are a hero. Use um, Tor. We're going to talk about that one. Yeah, one we should do security. a thing on Snowden's book because that was really interesting. Um, I didn't like his book, to be honest. It was very autobiographical, but I liked the. I he learned talks a lot. Too much. <laughs> He's got nothing else to do. He's in Russia. Like, what would you do? I'm not going to condone it. That's all. (laughs) I like Snowden. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I don't care about his story. I just care about what he did. Yeah. I I thought it was interesting, but like, I really did, you know, the stuff he was talking about, I I learned a lot and I, he did for, anyway, I'm getting off topic. Don't get off topic. This is serious business. Very serious. Okay. So what I'm talking about is essentially like if we regulate speech, then we are regulating what people can and can't say. And that goes, it's not about, you know, transgender issues. It's about, am I allowed to laugh about something stupid in innocently and not have it be an actual crime? Like if I make a joke, oh man, um, you see like there's a, you know, I don't know, random example, someone changes the water at the water cooler and they've got a weird limp and you imagine them stumbling down and being like, oh man, I'm soaking wet. And you just giggle to yourself and someone's, you tell that joke to someone and they put you up for being ableist or something. And you're just like, why do I have a criminal record now? (laughs) 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 Like, it's, it's like, you shouldn't be laughing at the expense of someone, but you can also imagine yourself falling down the stairs. And and as to, long as they're okay, it's funny. Really. Well, and even if like you you see someone like a soldier, it's like, oh man, it sucks. I mean, we're all going to get blown to bits in 30 seconds and now and then the government's going to have to come and, you know, pick all our pieces up and probably stand us at attention because they're so low on budget or something. And um, they can't afford any new, more soldiers to guard their, you know, whatever. And everyone's like, ha, 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 ha. And someone's like, that's insensitive towards veterans. And you're just like, my eyes yeah, can't roll the enough. The eyes don't roll far <laughs> enough. <laughs> So you get this and then, you know, they say, well, you're being insensitive and therefore you're a bigot and therefore we need to bring criminal charges against you. What? <laughs> like it's public record. Anyone can see it. So like it affects well, you, your business. It affects your personal relationships. Then people tied to you don't want to be connected to you because like you're accused yeah. of or alleged bigotry. Like, well, it's like, well, you don't so understand excessive. what it's like to be this identity group or that identity group, identity group. And that to me is absolute BS because one of the things that it seems like to me is that <clears throat> we are all just living a different tragedy. Like, yo, you're single for a long time and I've been single for a long time, you know, but, and that's kind of a tragedy. Then you get, you know, then I got uh, you know, a girlfriend, then I got married. And now I have to deal with an entirely different tragedy. Well, you have the privilege of having a wife. It's like, yeah, and it's great. But now I have to deal with the privilege of, you know, the end of that. And that is just as terrifying as, you know, dying alone. And to me, it's almost worse because I'd say it's even more devastating. And, you know, you have this looming tragedy in your life, no matter what. And 
you have to laugh at it. You have to laugh back at the face of God because if you don't, he's going to be disappointed in you. He, he wants you to laugh at him. He wants you to dance. He wants you to, you know, have that attitude because if you don't, you will not get through it. And that to me is like, I have to be able to, you know, go up to my wife and be like, oh man, I'm off to get hit by a bus. <laughs> and we're joking about this. It's so serious, but I'm able to have these jokes because we realize that this is a tragedy. But when you make light and get used to the tragedy, you can get on with the things that matter more than the tragedy, you know? the love between you and your family. You know, you, you have your kids, they're going to grow up. They're not going to be kids. They're not going to be those cute little bundles of joy anymore. And they're going to grow up and become, you know, jaded, cynical. Maybe they'll go off. Maybe they'll get killed. But to enjoy the now, you have to be able to make fun of the tragedy that is coming or the tragedy that is there. And that is essential. And you have and I know I'm saying this in a very serious voice, but I am gravely serious uh, because if you can't, you are, the suffering gets magnified and I don't want to go back to that <laughs> uh, where a place where I couldn't laugh at things because I was just too angry at shit. So what do you, what do you do about that then? It's like some people don't have a, a sense of humor. Uh, and I don't, and I don't mean just like people who are mentally, um, different. I don't want to say someone who's like someone who's just excessively gray, just in their aspect. Well, there's, I, yeah, I don't want to talk about medical conditions because no, no, that's separate. Like people with Asperger medical. or autism or whatever, oh, yeah, yeah. like they're not going to catch social nuances the same ways that we are. But I mean, like a general person who maybe just wasn't raised to laugh because they had such a strict up, upbringing. How do you suggest we go about, um, engaging them in humor like that um, back and forth fluidity the dance of humor how, how do we teach that dance you move out of pressure no just kidding <laughs> um but um in changing environment though like in all seriousness one thing that helped me because i i went through a pretty bad time uh and around my early 20s um around like 2021 um for reasons that i'm not going to get into because it's none of your business well, not you but like you, the audience. <laughs> um, you just know I'll laugh at you. That's why. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not relevant. Whatever. All you need to know is that I was having a bad time and I had to relearn a bunch of stuff. It wasn't an injury. It was, uh, um, you kind of have to go through a bit of a gauntlet and you have to make a fool of yourself. You have to just, um, get used to reading people and get practiced at reading people go out there tell jokes have people be like eh, and get you know practice play with it you know it's like a toy you gotta like learn how it works but at the same time the the other aspect of it is is that you can't read into people too much you have to take people at face value as much as possible um <clears throat> and that helps you because, you know, well, why did they say that? What do they mean by that? No, 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 no. They said what they said. Take people at face value. They don't care enough to put on an elaborate ruse to fool you all the time unless they're, you know, a neurotic, toxic person. Uh, in that case, you can still take them at face value because you know exactly what they're actually saying. So take people, you know, if someone says, hey, it's nice to see you, 
it might actually be that they mean it's nice to see you. Whoa. You know, if they're, if they're laughing at something you say, maybe they're not laughing at you maliciously. Maybe they're laughing at you because they care enough to pay attention to you and have enough tension to see the humor in, you know, something that happened to you. Um, Same with like funny accents and stuff too. Like talking to people with different accents can be hilarious. And it's not because you're laughing at somebody for the way they talk. You're just laughing because the sound that they made was funny. Oh, I used to work at an... <laughs> it's really that simple. I worked at an it's, Indian it's restaurant so and we made fun of each other's accents all the time. I'd go and be like, you know, gonna, please. And they'd be like, look at me. I'm a white guy. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, like, it's, yeah, it's stupid because uh, like as long as I can understand you, like, please speak, you know, English. Yeah. That's the point. And like, if it's you're not going to teach me some of your words, um, then like that. And it's just like, we don't, we're not like, I'm not doing it to be racist against you. Like, I know a lot of Indian people. I know so many that I can't be racist against them because to me, they're just people <laughs> with a different set of circumstances. And those circumstances are funny. Like you are a white Canadian. Look at me. How about it? You, how much maple syrup you got stucked up? Ha 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 ha. It's like eh? lots, but (laughs) yeah, they're right beside all my SKSs and, uh, you know, apology manuals. Uh, like, (laughs) so, but it is funny the way like people interact with each other, not to harm each other. Like, for the most part, we're not out as sadists trying to hurt people, but the way we receive yeah. laughter is often from the, the point of view that people are out to get us, as if everybody cares so much about us, they want to ruin our lives. Well, that's that like, The fact of the matter is they don't before. care. Like, that's literally, if you go in, like, oh, everyone's out to get me, everyone's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, have, like, are yeah, you like, okay? Who, who cares that much about you and your experience of life? That yeah, they like I keep thinking about, um, uh, was it Brett Weinstein and his idea of the nemesis? Not nemesis, the uh, arch villain in your life. And mm-hmm. he lays it out really neatly where he's like, you have this person who you respect and you would want them to be right. But there's someone who you're in contention with, someone who is after the same thing, but you're in contention with constantly. And I like that idea, but like that person isn't like maliciously out to get you. There's not someone like, you know, at the office being like, you can, you know, just saying bad things about you because you will encounter those people who are actually out to get you. Um, mm-hmm. They're very few, but generally they're very poor quality humans. And you get someone like... um Jocko Willings just like put up with their shit, move past them. Like they're not going to, they're not going to advance. If you work hard and just ignore their shit and move on with your life and put up with it while you're on their level, you will eventually move beyond their level and not have to deal with them. And those people are generally people who don't laugh enough. Like they don't understand what proper the dance is, like what proper humor is. They don't realize that there are funnier things like puns are funnier than actually causing harm to people. Right. Like a Language guy. is funnier than any of that. Yeah. And to me, that is, um, well, uh, I kind of want to move on to something, but I think I'm having trouble having a segue. So I'm just going to do this meta segue. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that about these people that I find interesting is that 
you can't force it either. So, you know, you say, oh, you know, those people that are just like, you know, just if you're feeling down, just don't be happy. And it's just like, I want to smack those people. <laughs> and that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Decaf. But like, yeah, to cuff. But like, um, the, the thing, or it's just like, oh, just try laughing for five minutes every day. And I think Alan Watts said something like this, like, just, just laugh, just ha 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 ha. It's like, it feels so empty. I hate doing it. Like, I know I want to, you know, like laughter itself has to be honest. You have to honestly approach the absurdity of what's happening. And, you know, it's just, it gets an acceptance of it. You're not, if you're just laughing, you're just, your body is doing the thing. And they say, well, no, if you, if you smile, your body will think, you know, you're, you're, you just, it's like putting the cart before the horse. And eventually the horse will start pushing the cart. It's like, is that how biology works? Or you have a PhD in this? Like, I'm sorry. That's, I don't believe you. Well, the so, human psychology does have that effect. Like you can release endorphins by forcing it, but it's nowhere near the same thing. Like, right. You can make yourself less angry by forcing a smile, but that doesn't mean you're not angry anymore. Like people just take the science to the extreme and say, oh, because it reduces negative feelings, then it must be positively correlative. And it's just not. Some people right. are so simple minded, you can convince themselves that they're happy just by smiling or saying a statement that they printed on their on their mirror every morning. Yeah, and it's fine. If you're that simple and that works. Why not? But that's not what we're hoping for. That's not an aspiration. That's like a band-aid for retardation. <laughs> so to me, it's a surrender. You have to almost surrender to the uh, the absurdity of it. Just be like, this is going to happen. It's, it's like you are not the stick up your butt. You're you. And you have to be honest with yourself and just laugh at it, get over yourself. <laughs> and then once you're doing that, then you can laugh at things. Um, I think that's probably why it works too, is because you feel ridiculous when you're smiling at yourself in the mirror and nobody else is around. Or when you force a laugh, you feel stupid. And then you're laughing at the ridiculousness of the action, not the actual smiling or mantra that you're saying in the mirror maybe that's why it works i i do like that um my qualm with that is is then why don't these charlatans just say that then why do they have to be all mystic and cryptic about it well, the science does it's just that people yeah. quote articles about science instead of reading the science itself yeah 10 reasons to make 10 ways to make yourself happy S step yeah. one heroin <laughs> like <laughs> well that'll work but um <laughs> The, but it's cheaper than cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Step two, make money. Step three, cocaine. But um, the four underpants. Now, yeah. <laughs> the profit. Jeez, getting old. Um, the a lot of references in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> now, one of the other things I wanted to get into was self-deprecation can turn out to be a trap. So you make fun of yourself. It's like, ha look, they're making, oh man, they're, they're not stopping. Oh, well, they're still going. Oh, they're still making fun of themselves. Oh boy, this is depressing. Oh man, I lost all the humor. I'm going to go home and cry. <laughs> like, Yeah, it gets really sad really fast. And that's usually, uh, honestly, I remember doing this myself and I, I now see it as a way, it's kind of like a dog whistle. It's like, oh, this person's not okay. Like this person needs therapy, stat. And 
one of the things that I had to do when I was maturing was I had to learn to stop laughing or stop using myself as the punchline. Um, because, you know, it's like, oh, I do that. Or it's just like, oh, look, it's a rock. It doesn't move just like me. Oh, oh, oh. And then, that's not humor. That's a begging for sympathy. That's begging for empathy. That's begging for someone help. That is a cry for help. That is not humor. There is a difference. Or it's somebody who's just not funny and it's the only thing they know how to make jokes about. That is, <laughs> that's also true because you, but the thing is that you need to move beyond it. You need to, because yeah, that's, that's like a learning process, mm-hmm. though, learning to be funny about things outside of yourself. Because it's easy when you know yourself. Yeah. You, there are so many things you can make fun of. But when you don't know anything about the world, it's really hard to make an Erdogan joke. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, that guy's a bit of a turkey. But um, yeah. the... <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> There's our puns. Yeah. So... Um, to me, I remember doing that. That was a cry for help because I wanted company i wanted people to talk to and i remember i was dreadfully lonely at certain points um and what i had to do was i had to consciously make a choice not to make fun of myself in public and it was hard because it was like the basis of all my humor it's like oh jordan's such an idiot look at him blah 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 it's like no don't put yourself down and I've told this to my wife too, because it's so easy. You know, you could just be like, oh, I'm, and it's the same inclination as, oh, I'm just this. I'm just a guy with a history major. I'm just a guy who lo- reads history. No, 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 no. That isn't just what you are. You are you. You're not just anything. And when you come from a place of self-deprecation, you can become that which you are deprecating. Uh, but yeah. that's almost like taking the joke too seriously, right? It is. That's exactly when they actually what it is. believe that they're nothing more than this that they create this type of simple joke. Whereas I would contend, you can only have one thing to attribute to yourself if you are a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Like necessarily by nature, if in order for you to be a history major, you also have to be literate. You have to be um, your middle class so that you could go to school. You had to be in Canada so you weren't at war with people. You had to be in a free society, (laughs) basically. Like there are so many things that have to be part of you before you can even be that one thing. Right. And yourself to one thing is almost to say, um, my humanity is inconsequential to the actions that I take. Well, if that's the case, then there's no such thing as human rights. You should have only rights for people who have certain accreditations for those rights. And that's just obviously wrong. And one of the things that happens is you... you uh end up denigrating the actual effort you put in you know it's like oh it doesn't matter i'm not you know i'm not a general or i'm not a you know university professor i'm not something that you put on a pedestal unnecessarily yeah i said it um that you're just you it's like yeah you are just you but like don't bring don't beat your accomplishments don't make less of it because like you did it now the thing of it is well then how do you how do you exist in social situations, if you don't have that ammo. Now, it's self-deprecation is cheap ammo. It's cheap. It's easy. It's easy to find. You just pull it out, put it in, and you fire it off. You can find it anywhere. Don't use it unless it's really, really good timing, really good joke. You can, but use it as one of the tools because one of the things that you want to do is 
you want to separate yourself from the actual humor. Now, okay, this is getting complicated, but what I'm saying is you're at work, you do something stupid, you go, instead of going like, oh, I did a stupid thing again, herp, derp, I'm just pretty much Homer Simpson or something. No, you make fun of the, act, the, the, the action itself and not the person that made it because when you make fun of the whole thing, everyone else can join in on your misery uh, and turn it into humor. So, you know, uh, I remember working at Starbucks or something and I'll make this up. Uh, you know, you drop a picture of milk and it slams into the counter and the milk goes, psh, you know, like, oh, I screwed up. Uh, laugh at me because I'm, I'm so be klutzy and that kind yeah. of thing. Or you could make fun of the situation itself and everyone be like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was stupid. Whoa. And, the, and then they become part of the joke themselves. You are engaging more people in it when it becomes not about, you know, you, it's becoming about yeah. you within the flow of everyone around you because like, you are I not- spilled the milk. Don't cry. And you can make a big scene out of it. Yeah. But like and without so- it being part of you as being the klutzy dork, it's about the scene being spilt milk and, you know, don't yeah. cry over spilled milk. Yeah. So yeah. one of the um advantages to this is that you're involving other people and it it's it's the 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 where was i going to go with this Hmm. (laughs) is that the um like it also reduces the likelihood that other people are going to make jokes about at your expense right when they get used to hearing you be self-deprecating in your humor they're going to tag on with their humor and also be deprecating of you Right. That's the running joke you're creating. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you for putting me back on track. You (laughs) seem to have a good job of way of doing that. Yeah. And that's, I've known you since we were both. We, (laughs) we, um, Nintendo, we, um, now because one of the things about us as people, and one of the things that's also absurd about us is that we are individuals and we are individuals, but we're individuals within a, the structure of whatever structure we put ourselves in. So you're an individual in the structure of work. You're an individual in a family. You're an individual in a society. You're an individual in, you know, a hockey team. Now you do have to act as the best individual you can be, and you do have to embrace individualism, but that doesn't mean you have to be the you know, solipsistic node of all creation, you are a, you know, you're just one part of a whole. And this is one of the things that kind of Alan Watts emphasizes that we don't, and the the education and the, you know, the Prussian education, especially that was happening in the fifties and sixties when he was in seventies, when he was talking was that not so much seventies, he died in like 73, I think, but was that he emphasized the individual yes is an important part it's the the quantum of society is the is part of the web of a whole you're only seeing one perspective of many perspectives and so when you make yourself that solipsistic center of a joke you are kind of cutting yourself off and you're not being honest you're not displaying that juxtaposition you're only showing you're making fun of the out oh man this is getting complicated i'm sorry trying to bring everything together here so you're making fun of the the so you're an individual in a system and if you're working at work and you do something stupid 
and people and you make the joke about you, you're only making joke about the show, not the show in relation to the inside, you know, the reality of it. And so when it's only about that, people can't empathize with it because it's about your problems. And so they can't bring what happened, the tragedy of your life into the internal reality of who they are. And so the empathy just isn't there. And so you have that external show, internal reality, the truth of who you are. And this isn't a bad thing. This is just the way we are. Um, if I spent, I could spend all day trying to tell you what the true reality is, but that in itself would be a show. So, um, autobiographies are a bit suspect. Uh, but looking at you, Snowden. <laughs> Um, I have very few biographies. I think I have like two biographies back here. Um, but the Churchill's was really good. Well, one of the 10 that have been done on him. Yeah. And so what happens is that's kind of why I'm suspect of self-deprecating humor is because you are separating yourself from everyone around you. And that is not what you're trying to do with that humor. You, you're, you're, you're asking for help. Please, I'm lonely. Please, I'm sad. Please, I'm a klutz. Forgive me for being who I am instead of being like, ta-da! <laughs> and so, you just sit there and you laugh at it instead of being like, this is typically what I am. Please have pity on me. Give me something that I don't yet deserve. Which is but what we should be doing is learning how to laugh at the pitiful nature of the, that type of humor. Like if that's all we yes. know, like as a person who does self-deprecating humor on a regular basis, mm-hmm. they should be able to also say, "Why can't I think of anything funnier than just my my own uh, screw ups?" Like that. Maybe in you itself, should get out more. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a tragedy. I should do more in my life so I have more things to talk about. It could be the, the or or like you said, if, if it's like a cry for help or some type of um, communication of lacking co- community or companionship, rather than um, rather than piling on top of that, what we should be doing is recognizing that person needs some companionship and showing compassion. Yeah, like we I'll should be all like, be more aware of people who suck at making jokes. People like, with terrible the- humor need help being funny. Yeah, and like help them with social cues. Like when I said you need to get out more, I said it like, like yeah, I made with, a with show. Your eyes all bug out. And yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> I did the badum tish face. But like, even if I'm doing it, like if I'm testing someone new, uh, like at work or something, and you'll, you'll you'll give them a bit of a ribbing, and you'll you'll have this like, yeah, I don't think we're gonna keep you here very long. <laughs> and then they, you know, there's subtle signs on their face and in their manner that mean like. Oh, they're just testing me. And, you know, everyone's sitting there being like, how's he going to handle it? How are they going to handle it? How is they going to handle this ribbing? And they're disappointed if you don't take the joke. They're like, if you just be like, my boss is such a jerk. He's always, you know, making fun of me. It's like everyone at the that, at your job is just kind of like, come on, Matt. Yeah, like, like shoot back. We're, we're trying to have fun here and you're yeah, just killing it. For <laughs> Like when I worked at a paint store uh, for three months on my probation, they were... Um, 
essentially telling me it's like, oh, we're just probably going to make you seasonal. We're not, you're not getting the job. You know, oh, don't, don't, don't even bother about like looking for an apartment. But three months of this, <laughs> and they brought me into the office at the end of your probation, be like, yeah, we're uh, giving you a raise. Just like, <laughs> but. But it changes everything about like your, your impression going into work, your interactions with your customers, like the things you, you remember from just the work experience mm-hmm. itself. Um, that what you gain from your employment is not just the productivity you contribute and the money you get in a paycheck. It's also the experience you're gaining while you're producing your, while you're yeah. laboring. Well, uh, and they useful. need to know if they can trust you. And this, this is even more so in, um, in the, uh, mortality professions you know a doctor are you going to be good he looks turns to his nurse and he goes are you going to be good once i cut this person open and it's just like you know i've seen the inside before it's i've seen one seen them all it's like awesome we're good uh but if they go what do you mean of course i'm going to be good with it it's like i'm gonna need to pit yeah, they get all defensive yeah, and or shit. they like, they go, Oh, I don't know. Do you think I'm up to it? Do you think they get like, uh, you know, are you sure? I don't know if I'm okay with this. It's like, that's, that sounds like a you motivation or a you like confidence problem. You, you, if you're a nurse, you've gone through nurse training, you've been there, you've done like tons of, uh, I don't know, what do you call them? Like, um, internships or whatever they do, practicums. Yeah. The practicum. And you've done a bunch of those. You've got like hundreds of hours doing this stuff act like it <laughs> and mm-hmm. and be mature like if you're not mature enough to handle yourself in a social situation it's really hard to trust you with like scalpels and uh, sanitizing surgery well, equipment like i see a lot of students these days who aren't willing to put themselves forward because they're just afraid of talking and afraid of screwing up and that, that that hamstrings them and then you have a bunch of other students who i've met who are begging like they're like yo you're you're going too hard on us you're you know you're not giving us enough chance you didn't tell us how many questions there'd be on the test and blah 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 it's like is there no joy in your life are you okay um because you university is supposed to be brutally hard and if it's easy well either you're in the wrong program or you already know the stuff and you have to take your accreditation in this country or they're going easy on you and they yeah, or it's a fake university. Well, I remember at U of M, <laughs> they had uh, they had a big thing in the history department saying, you know, it's like, how can we better help you guys? And I was just like, you need to go harder on us. You need to treat us like, you know, you need to actually force us to grow by like not putting up with our shit. <laughs> and then everyone around the table is like, you know, you have the literal communists saying like, we need to get rid of the administration. You have everyone being like, you need to keep us more informed at all times. It's like, what? No, we need our job. Their job is to teach us. Our job is to learn and to do the work so that we learn. And why aren't we teaching like proper um, humor health? You know, like that should be part of mental and physical health. And part of our education system should be teaching us how to handle stress and anxiety with humor, I think- how, how to put ourselves and present ourselves in a professional manner, but still be able to be human and have fun and smile and not just have uh, just interactions that are regimented and strictly scripted. You I know think a I lot mean? of it, like you get the, like the Protestant work ethic, like all work, no play, you know, but all work and no play makes Jordan a dull boy. It makes us less productive too. But like, yeah, it does. Measure that. Or we can measure happy workplaces being more productive than unhappy ones. And like you got also like the Prussian model of education, you know, sit down, sit up, left, right, left, right, do your math. Um, but then in addition to that, you get, um, 
when someone complains, a lot of times nowadays, they are mollified or pandered to. It's like, oh, I think this is too hard. You need to make it easy on us. And they'll be like, oh, yes, we do need to make that easier for you. We're so sorry it was hard. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. And it's like, no, <laughs> like the, the professors and the teachers and the authorities need to learn honestly how to be like, no, sit down and shut up. Like, yeah, um, and then laugh at it. And then laugh at it. Be like, can you believe my students were like, oh, I can't handle a three hour written exam. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember even in school, though, when I was obnoxious or loud, my teacher was like, no other kids, they would tell me, like, Chris, shut up, like, absolutely straight. Yeah. And it wasn't because I, and I, I, like, I wasn't hurt by it because they told me so many times to not be loud in class. Right. We both could laugh and it's okay. Well, yeah, I remember yeah. one of my favorite professors, a Professor Churchill, I'm not willing to, I'm not against name dropping this guy because he was one of my favorites. And he, I would, like, we'd give each other a hard time all the time and i remember i was able to just you know rip on him and he'd be you know jordan shut the heck up and he like people would be like can he say that to a student it's like of course he can he's yeah. a professor he's an authority here you get, like internal affairs from the university come by like jordan were, were you were you traumatized by this L like, let's let's open a case and start a grievance like that's churchill he does that he's like <laughs> He's that kind of guy. And people yeah. like saying, like the other classmates were like, um, I remember one of the time where the other classmates were just sitting there being like, oh, he's such a jerk. I hate him. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you guys just need to know that that's Professor Churchill. And at the end of the course, he's like, Jordan, I like you. I can say whatever I want. It's just water off a duck's back. And I'm like, got you. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I think you. that's important in socializing us, like you and me specifically, because we're, we're a different, like, we're an active type of learner. Let's yeah. just put it that way. So we engage in class and sometimes that's disruptive. But in order to socialize people like us, you need to have a sense of humor. You have to be able to say like something that should sound offensive if it was just written on a transcript. But like with verbal body language and nonverbal communication, we can tell that it's meant, okay, I need to shut up, but it's not as serious as it sounded. It was just... Right. Well, oh, I remember I had one, uh, it was like 18th century English history. And I was the only person in that class that talked. It was a class of like 12 and I would go and I'd be like, here's what I thought about the readings, blah, blah, blah. Cause no one else would talk. And then I'd be like, I look around being like, you know, critic, please, yeah, please but I'm someone for this shit. So like, I'm going to learn as and much then, you like, don't want to talk. I'm going to monopolize. I saw like the pain in the professor and he would like end class after I said my piece. And I was like, the f is going on? Why aren't these people like, am I like, I'm not that intimidating, <laughs> but like they're sitting there solemn and like, please, oh priest of the university, please impart your divine knowledge onto me. It's like, no, it's an active process for yeah. everybody. Let me like, absorb wisdom. Like there are some people like who that. just like, I'm just going to stay in my corner and do, and do my research. And I guess that's okay. But, but I learned like, I'm not, I'm extroverted, but I'm not a hundred percent extroverted. I'm definitely, there are times where I'm just like, I'm going to go find a corner and read or do something away from people. And, um, what I learned is that I learned more and better when I attacked the material. Mm -hmm. And people would just get offended. And I was just like, the material isn't scripture. 
And we have this idea that like we're in church now all the time where we're like, we always have to talk about grave matters and we always have to fix the planet and the, 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 this and that. And it's just like, no, we have to, in, we have to live our lives. Yeah, or Jordan, your opinion's wrong because that's not what it said in the readings. Well, it's because like, you're white, not so you're reading. not allowed to talk. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like people were the readings definitely are there to have a subject to discuss. It's not there so that you memorize it and just like everybody Ooh. regurgitate what it was already written. Right. And if, if we, if we were to do that, then they would have actually assigned Michel Foucault instead of not and always talking about him, you yeah. know, like, I'm sorry, that's not how learning works. We are here in a high level discussing things and we are trying to be at least a little original. And that means we have to put ourselves out there. And that means we have to have bringing it back a sense humor. of humor. All, and this isn't just university. This is all facets. If you're learning, have a sense of humor because the first three weeks of any job are going to be like, what the heck am I doing? And if you can't laugh at yourself, you're going to give yourself an aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> like, and anything professional. I'm not like, I mean, it's most obvious in, in the, the mortality professions, as you put it, which I like, mm. like morticians and paramedics and surgeons and all that. But every profession, even if you don't need a degree for it, you still get specialized the longer you're doing it. Mm-hmm. No matter what profession or job you're doing, you should always have an element, like a sense of humor about the job. You don't necessarily have to make jokes in your writ of summons when you're writing like legal documents, but you should be able to pass it over to somebody and make a joke about their dog filing it. Like that shouldn't hurt anybody. And making those types of um, just moderate slights on serious matters, that levity, bringing levity to every situation, I think is really important. Because mm-hmm. that's what is healthy for us, both mentally and physically. Like stress is a huge component to our physical health and long term, especially repeated stressful events. So having uh, five seconds, 13 seconds, 20 seconds of just a quick ha here and there between puns and um, and even if you have to self-deprecation, but like having that break up all the seriousness of your day has a tremendous long term effect on your life. Yeah. And I don't know, it's, I think that's probably a good place to put this down. Um, neat little bow. Neat little bow. I guess I could end with a bit of a story yeah, um, give her. for once. So a couple days ago, uh, I guess a joke, uh, a couple days ago, uh, Epcor. So the water people come up, they're building a house in the backyard. And what happens is a guy in a jumpsuit and a hard hat comes up, knocks on the door. I look out and I'm tired. I'm just like, just got up. It's like eight in the morning. He's like, Oh, I'm here about the water. And I look at him and I'm tired. And I just kind of take a sip and I go, yeah, we've got lots. And I kind of just walk in. <laughs> and my wife just comes up and she's just like, what? why did you tell him that? It's like, Oh, he's like, the water's going to be off for 30 minutes. And it's just like, well, he should have said that in the first place. So, <laughs> and he didn't expect it. He didn't know what to do. I thought it was hilarious, but I don't know. I, but that little bit of surprise probably lightened up his day. So, you know, he probably goes door to door, 30 doors, has to knock and say the same thing on every door. At least on this one door, he snapped back to, you know, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm a human being. And this is just <laughs> autonomous work that a robot could do one yeah. day. But like you bring them back to reality with it. And that, that's the part of life that we're actually experiencing is those moments yeah. of reality. 
where we can joke about something unexpected or when we find something funny because it sounds silly. I think those moments are really important and often understated. Yeah. So, um, if you're watching, uh, thank you for tuning in. If for today, if you've gotten to this point, uh, tell us a funny anecdote in the comments, something where you didn't take life seriously. Uh, and we'll all have a laugh. Make sure to, you know, like, and subscribe too, and, uh, tell your friends cause, uh, the more absurdity we have down in those comments, the better and more fun it'll be. So peace and right. love everyone. See you guys. Be well. Thanks for watching.